Thank you. Well, it's good to be here. I'm honored of any time I get an opportunity to preach, but especially at chapel and the special place that it is. I'm also aware of the time of semester it is and, uh, and how we are in the dog days. Spring break is over and it's getting real now. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's getting real now. And uh, that, means, uh, that means that there's a whole lot going on. I have a picture on the the screen of uh, the, the Patriots, and um, the title of my message today is Huddle Up, and I want to get right into it because I want to give a little bit of time at the end for you to practice what I preach, and uh, what I, one of the things about the Super Bowl, I know that in the Super Bowl you have fans for either side, and some people are haters of one group, and, and they love their, another group. But one of the things that about this year's Super Bowl that was fairly amazing, it was the biggest comeback of all time, is that um, throughout the game, the group of people that you see in the picture got together and they had to huddle up. Everybody said huddle up. And what they would do is they would say, okay, we're going to run the next play. Now, they had been doing this all the way since the summertime when they got together for training camp. And then they'd done it hundreds of times, if not thousands of times, over and over and over again. The difference about the Super Bowl that was so unique was this group was used to winning, and now they were in a losing position. In the first half, they were down, and it, everybody thought the game was over. They were down several touchdowns. This thing is over. There's no way. But every single play, the offense would have to huddle up. The defense did the same thing. And they still went back, and they played the play. And at the end, because they stuck to huddling up and they stuck to winning and running the same play, no individual went off and did their own thing, they won in the end. And really what I want to talk to you today about is sticking together when it gets tough. And when you feel like pulling away and being isolated and at times like this in the semester, this is a, a classic moment for you to, somebody ask you, how you're doing? Good. You don't want to share with them anything because you're stressed out and you aren't necessarily sharing. You're just trying to survive. How many here are trying to survive right now? Let's be for real, okay? Just keeping it real in chapel today, right? And we hit the spots in our story where it would be real easy to pull away and walk away from the team. But the only way you win is if you stay on the team and keep going back to the huddle. And I, wanna, I want you to catch what Jesus was saying. I've got one text today that I really want to just block in on, and it's in Matthew chapter 18. Many of you might know this, might be familiar to you, but it says this, I tell you this, whatever you prohibit on earth is prohibited in heaven, and whatever you allow on earth is allowed in heaven. I also tell you this, if two of you agree down here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together because they are mine or in my name, I am there among them. So what he is saying is he's saying you can win. Things can happen where you prohibit things and they are prohibited and you allow things and they're allowed. But before you get to that point, which is like the end of the game, W in the, in the win column, you have to go backwards. So I want to actually attack this text from the end and move back up. So let's start looking up at verse 20. 
In reverse order, we're going to look at this today. Where two or three gather together because they are mine, I am there among them. Where two or three gather together, everybody said together, because they are mine, I am there among them. Jesus gives a declaration that we are his, but we are to be together. We are in an individual culture where you get to believe whatever you want to believe nowadays. I believe a little bit of this. I believe a little bit of that. You want to even, I've already asked all of you what your favorite musician is. I would get individual choices across the room. But you would say, but don't box me in. Don't label me because I like other people too, right? And we have our own eclectic text and we, we kind of look at ourselves through the lens of I'm my own corporation. And if we approach ourselves that way with our faith, we can get locked into this one-on-one with God and thinking, God, why aren't you there for me? I feel so lonely. And then why is it that people are outside the faith or nicer to me than people that are inside the faith? And we might see ourselves as having our own individual jersey, not a collective team jersey. You hear what I'm saying? This generation is facing this above all other generations. Why? Because in this generation... We are in a place where you have observed institutions that have failed. You've seen churches that have failed. You've seen businesses that have failed. You've seen a lot current government stuff that's failing. And it could put you in a place where you begin to critique everyone else and not see yourself as on the team. And when Jesus talks about you, he doesn't talk to you about you alone. Yes, he saved you from your sin. Yes, you are, are, are bought with the blood of Jesus. Yes, you'll go to heaven for eternity. But you are not alone. You are now on a team. You're adopted into a family. You are connected to other people. So even in a North Central Chapel, in a setting where we are, you could be a professor, you could be a staff member, you could be a student, you could be a visiting guest like me. And we could be in a place where we observe church and we critique church so much that we don't see ourselves on the same team. And Jesus says, if you want to win in the end, remind yourself when it all gets confusing and it seems like everything is like messy and you don't know how to make sense out of what's going on, remind yourself not only are you Jesus' property, you're owned by him, part of his family, but you have sisters and brothers that are on the same team. And yes, they think different than you. And yes, they look different than you. And yes, they might attend a different church than you do, but they're all on the same team. Can I get an Amen. So Jesus is saying, I want you to recognize that you're there. And what he then says is they got to gather together. In other words, they huddle up. They have to be together. And God's math is different than our math. If one can send a 1,000 to flight, two can send how many to flight? 10,000. And there's a different math that happens when you get with someone else. You are better together than you are alone. And when they get together, something happens. They huddle up. I need, uh, I need five students. Just get up right now. Come up down here. Five students. Just volunteer. You're not going to get hurt. There's not, not going to be a problem. Just come on. Come on down. I, all right. All right. Here we go. All right. This is what I want you to do. I don't want you to face everybody else. I want you to get in a circle and huddle up. Okay? Circle up. No, face each other. 
There you go. There you go. They're in a huddle. So this is more together. All right. They're, they're huddling up. They're going to run a play. They're together. <laughs> Come on. Let's go. They're doing it. And, and uh, where's Danny? Get down here. You should have been the first one to get up. Anybody that don't know Danny Williams, Daniel Williams, as his mom calls him, Daniel. This is special. He's like a son in my house. When, when you're, you're playing soccer, how important is it for everybody to stay together? Very important. Why is that? Because you can't score by yourself. You need a team. You need a team. So when Jesus is talking about it, he's not talking about just being with the same label, same jersey, but actually being together. Come on, somebody. All right, you guys can go sit down. You guys, give it up for this team. So he's asking us to, to think of things as together. Whenever you get together, everybody said together. So how does it work? How do we win just by getting together? Duh, he says, I am there among them. How many want Jesus on your team? Now, this is something weird, you know. Like, I, can, I could be ticked off. I could be afraid. I can be stressed out. I can be frustrated. I could have gotten, just gotten an argument with somebody. And internally, I can feel like I'm, it's me against the world. But when I get with another believer and I'm together with them, something happens supernaturally and Jesus shows up. And he has a way of taking stress out of me that I can't do by myself. This is why we need relationship with one another. We need to be together because Jesus comes in. You ask me, how does Jesus work? He doesn't just work one-on-one. -on -one. That's not how he works. Jesus works in the context of relationship. We need each other. How many of you have ever come to chapel and you came in, you're like, I don't want to go to chapel today, and don't say today, okay? But you go to chapel, and you're like, I don't know if I want to be in chapel today. I don't feel like being in chapel today. I don't have anything spiritual in me today. But all of a sudden, when you begin to worship, and you're side by side, shoulder to shoulder with other believers, and something happens just in the middle of worship, and you begin to feel different, it's because Jesus is showing up. Two or three are gathered together in his name. He's saying, if you get together for the right reasons, I'll show up and I'll work with you in a special way. Verse 19. Remember, we're going to reverse order. We went verse 20. Verse 19, I will also tell you this. If two of you agree down here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. I could go down, the Father in heaven will do it for you. That's a powerful trail if you want to think about that. But the, 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 the context of the word I want you to look at is the word agree. The word agree is a word of harmony. It's to be on playing from the same sheet of music. It's running the same play. It's not just praying for yourself. It's praying with others about certain things. I've walked into groups of students who have, they're ready to pray. They get ready to pray. And then it turns into chaos. Everybody's trying to pray louder than the other person. They're praying in, in tongues over somebody else. That's, that can happen for a moment, but that becomes confusing, and I don't think it's as powerful. They may be together, but they're not together. 
They're not running the same play. But when you say, hey, my, uh, we have a student whose uh, father just had a heart attack and is on his way to hospital, and we all pray together. How many know that's a powerful agreement prayer? We're actually praying about the same thing. Dr. Anderson, you got that football. You drilled it, bro. I felt like Gronk. I was catching that thing. So here's what happens. A quarterback goes up back in a football play. You don't even have to understand football to understand this. Everybody that has broken the huddle is running one play. The linemen are running their position, but it's one play. Everybody, if they work together, it works. If they don't work together, it doesn't work. So when the quarterback goes back, there's all kinds of things happening. Linemen are blocking the defensive people. People are trying to tackle him. The quarterback goes back, and he knows without even looking that the wide receiver is going down the sidelines, and at the 10-yard mark, he's going to turn in across the field. If the receiver is doing what they're supposed to be doing and they're in agreement and running the same play, he'll throw the ball to where that receiver will be, and there will be a completion, hopefully. If the receiver does it and there's a defensive play there, instead it's intercepted. I think that we have a lot of our prayer life intercepted because we're not running the same play. We need to work together and be on the same page so that Jesus comes in and then anything that we ask, the Father will give it to us. Now I'm going to throw it back. Good catch, Dr. Anderson. Next piece that I want to just, I want to tap into. He says, if you agree, then the Father in heaven will do it. Verse 18. Then he goes, now we want 20, 19, now verse 18. I tell you this, whatever you prohibit on the earth is prohibited in heaven, and whatever you allow on earth is allowed in heaven. Now, what he says is prohibited um, is, is, a, is a word that I'm using with a stop sign. So to prohibit equals a stop sign. He says, if you're in agreement, this is what's going to happen, okay? If you're in agreement, you're running the same play, Jesus is there, you can now look into the spirit world and you can throw a stop sign up in the natural and stop things together. I think that there are a lot of individual selfish prayers that we might be uttering to God to get us to rescue us through a day. But we might get a bigger victory if we bind together and we begin to pray about the, the chaos in the streets and the hurt around us. And we begin to throw stop signs up against demonic forces that are trying to take over. Some of you know somebody, either in your family or you know a friend, who has a parent who is an alcoholic. And you know that that alcoholism is destroying the family life. There's abuse that comes with that. There's depression that comes with that. There's physical and emotional and verbal abuse that comes with that. And the demonic stronghold of alcoholism is destroying an entire family and potentially generations worth. But what if we got together, instead of complaining about the drunkard dad, we began to pray, Lord, we throw up a stop sign against the demonic strongholds that's destroying a whole family. We come against alcoholism in Jesus' name. Every time that he goes to the bottle, I pray he would get sick. And it would no longer be able to drink it. That you bring deliverance in for him. That we throw a stop sign up against it. Sometimes we only want to battle things in the natural 
and what we see. But what did Paul say in, in Ephesians? We don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Come on, somebody. We can throw stop signs up. The second thing that he says is whatever you allow. And allow is the green light. We can say, come Lord Jesus. Now they can throw laws up against us. They can stop us from doing certain things in the culture around us. And the enemy can get behind laws that prevent Christians from preaching truth or standing on particular scriptures. But they cannot stop us from going over their head and asking God to throw a stop sign up, but also for heaven to be poured out. I am so ready to see God pour out his spirit on this generation. I'm ready for a new and a fresh outpouring in your family's life. I want to see this group of people, this generation at North Central, not go, well, we just survived a year here at North Central. But what about the next month if we agreed together that you're going to make it? You're not going to give up. You're going to win. You're going to stay in the journey. And when we drop our guard and we're able to share with others in the huddle, hey, this is where I'm at. I'm facing a battle. And then everybody else in your huddle begins to pray with you. Now all of a sudden you throw a stop sign up to the enemy and you declare God's open windows of heaven to come down on your friend's life. Then God will do something powerful, not just because they're good people, but because we were together. Can I get an amen? We need to be together. I'm tired of Christians who pray individual prayers and don't understand the power of the principle that Jesus said. We've got to be in this together. If God says he answers our prayers when we get together and he gives us power to prohibit and allow, we have the ability when we pray together to prohibit our friends from following the devil. It's time we stuck a no trespassing sign in their yard in the spirit realm. How many of you right now at this school know classmates and friends who are walking away from God at this point of the year? Let's be for real. You know people who are not in chapel, or they may be in chapel, but they're not in chapel, who are walking away from God, and instead of getting mad at them, what if we began to throw a no trespassing sign up to the enemy and say enough is enough. I don't want to lose any more students to the faith because we're tired out or we had a bad day. It's just the third quarter. The fourth quarter's coming, and then we're going to go to overtime like the Patriots, and we're going to win it all if we stay in the huddle. If you and your friends are struggling with God and you need to pull together and invite the Holy Spirit to come and move in their lives. So this is what I do. I was working so hard just to get to this spot. It's time for you to practice what I preach. In the balcony, on the main floor, students, staff, faculty, all of us. It's time for us to huddle up and take Jesus at his word. This is what I want you to do. I want you to huddle up with two or three people, okay? Get in a huddle. We got time. I have a lot of time here at the end. Get in a huddle and look in the eyes and say, what is there? Is there something that we need to pray for? Is there somebody we know? Maybe there's something you're going through you need to share, and then together run the same play. Pray together for that prayer request. Then go on to the next person and go around. It doesn't have to be long, but we can take Jesus at his word that he will do it. On the count of three, stand up. One, two, three, stand up. Now huddle up. Find somebody. Stop signs and green lights. Let's go, guys. Stop signs and green lights.